Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Groot Nibblink. I'm the creator of Apples and Genos, originator of the Zero G Draft Strategy, and contributor to Yahoo Fantasy. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about the biggest hot shots and have nots of the last couple of weeks. Let's hit it. Welcome back in, folks. If you're watching on YouTube, you may have noticed something a little different going on here. Yeah, we got no faces up today. I'm running solo today, and to be quite honest with you, I feel terrible. So I decided I did not want to be on camera running this. I wanted to just relax and record a little bit here. Blake is off on a family vacation. I'll be back again later on in the week, but... For myself tonight, it's just going to be a little bit of a low-key affair. I'm going to do the usual things here. Going to run through some news and notes for you. Let's get into that. I think the biggest news of the week was obviously Jay Woodcroft getting fired in Edmonton. Chris Knobloch is the new coach in Edmonton, hired from the AHL Hartford Wolfpack. He did have an interesting connection. He coached Connor McDavid along, and actually Connor Brown and Warren Fogle back when they were all on the Erie Otters in the OHL. Um, that's kind of just incidental from what I understand. There was a connection also with the CEO of the Oilers, and that seems to have been the deciding factor in this hire. Uh, from what I could gather, going around the league, it seems to be a well-regarded uh, coaching prospect. Maybe wasn't at the forefront of any prior uh, coaching hiring decisions, but definitely not a totally out-of-left-field hire as far as I can understand from reading on Twitter. Uh, also, assistant Dave Manson is gone as well, and Paul Coffey will join the bench squad in his spot. For whatever it's worth, Jack Hahn on Twitter, a uh, pretty good follow for just kind of some of the X's and O's stuff uh, about hockey. He says that the system that Knobloch runs is not all that different than what Edmonton was already running. For me, that's good news because Edmonton's underlying numbers, at least 5v5, were terrific, like some of the best in the league, and they were just getting incredibly unlucky. Everybody clearly feeling the effects of the losses piling up one after the other, gripping the sticks too tight, whatever the case may be but I don't think Edmonton actually honestly had to change all that much um, they just needed to have some pucks go in the net for once so uh, that's good news for me we'll obviously have to see what it means for deployment of players what the lines might look like under Knobloch how he might decide to change things up uh, one thing I'd be looking at for sure is does he believe in Evan Bouchard as much as Woodcroft did uh, if Bouchard's 5v5 minutes took a hit under Knobloch that wouldn't be the most surprising thing thing uh, but we'll see uh, all these things will be interesting to watch and we'll have to make some potentially make some decisions for our fantasy lineups based on the first few games here so definitely worth keeping an eye on through the first few games of Knobloch's run here as the Edmonton coach Sam Bennett came back in the game today for Florida had one hit two blocks in 16 minutes 51 seconds got back his usual line two power play 
to deployment. So it seems to be back to normal there. His teammate Brandon Montour will practice in full on Monday, and doctors will have to declare him fit to go, but uh, it sounds like he could play Tuesday, and that's the way things are trending currently. Uh, Arturi Lekkinen had that injury. We talked about it in the waiver wire show, uh, but it sounds like he's going to be out for quote weeks. Uh, definitely not surprising if you saw the play it was pretty scary. In the meantime, Valerie Nichushkin line one power play one, and they ran the three D alignment on power play two. So Sam Girard might have some streamer appeal in some leagues because of that. We'll have to see. Obviously, Colorado got absolutely pasted by St. Louis of all teams in that game. So they may switch the lines around even some more, but I have to imagine this is good news for Valerie Nichushkin overall. Darcy Kemper's Darcy Kemper's a little nicked up. Uh, there has been some noise. Uh, Coach Spencer Carberry he was saying some things that could be interpreted that Charlie Lingren could get more work regardless of Kemper being healthy or not. So keep an eye out for that. Lingren could take some work there. Nikita Kucherov did miss Saturday's game with an illness, but it sounds like that should be short term and he should be fine moving forward. That's going to be it for the news and notes, and we're going to move straight into these hot shots and have nots. For hot shots, I think we got to start off with Nikita Kucherov. Didn't play on Saturday, as I mentioned, but in four games prior, had 12 points, averaging three points per game, five goals, seven assists. Over 22 and a half minutes average time on ice, 20th in the league in shots per 60 in that span, 13th in on ice scoring chances, 4 per 60. Man is absolutely on fire at the moment. Taking a look at his season long stats, he's got 23 points in 14 games, that's 135 point pace. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not seeing a ton here that's suggesting there's a ton of regression coming on that pace. He's 10th in shots per 60 on the season, 34th in individual scoring chances for on the, on the season, and 11th in on-ice scoring chances for per 60 on the season. 74% IPP, 17.5% shooting percentage, 14% on ice shooting percentage. Those are high numbers uh, to be sure, but they're not like outlandish numbers. I think that, you know, Kucherov is definitely a player that I see being in the 115 to 120 point range when all is said and done. He's had a hot start here. He could even eclipse that. Uh, I definitely think that's a possibility for Nikita Kucherov. And it just means that you have a little bit more belief in all the pieces around him too. Victor Hedman, as long as he's on power play one. Braden Point on that line. If Hagel's on that line, whoever else is skating on that 5v5 line, you're going to be much, much more interested in them when Nikita Kucherov is going off the way he is. But I think at this point, like, who are you really realistically trading uh, Nikita Kucherov for, like, Dreisaitl uh, and and uh, McDavid are the guys that you might be thinking about. Maybe Matthews, depending on your point setup, uh, if you need the goals and um, maybe you want the hits and blocks that Matthews gives you. But still, there's very, very few players. Nikita Kucherov this year definitely putting himself in the conversation with the true elites of the league, and rightfully so, and at right wing as well, which is uh, the hardest position to fill in fantasy this year. So. Uh, hats off to Nikita Kucherov. Don't really know if there's much to be taken away from this other than like, yeah, I would I would have to think really hard about whether I want Leon Dreisaitl or Nikita Kucherov on my team for the rest of the year. And that's not something I said I thought that I would be saying this far in. So hats off to Kucherov for what he's been able to do so far. 
Sam Reinhardt, I want to talk about up to 10 points in his last five games. I uh, didn't check. This is before the game today, so I'd have to go in and check and see what he had. Oh, yeah, he had the four-point game today as well. I don't believe that's uh, in my numbers because I pulled these numbers uh, before, and I don't think it's updated yet from Natural Stat Trick. I have it set up to automatically pull, so I believe that's before. Uh, now I'm going to have to go back and check. But regardless... Um, Sam Reinhart, like, what can you really say? Uh, he's had a absolutely insane start to the season here. He's on a 123-point pace with 21 points in 14 games so far. And, yeah, I just remember last year, so many people were coming to me and saying, what do I do with Sam Reinhart? He is so cold for so long everybody was dropping him asking me if they had permission to drop him they were looking for somebody to tell them that it was okay to drop him and I was kind of like man I just want to keep holding on to this guy and holding on and holding on um, and uh, yeah you're seeing why right now with the early start uh, for Florida I don't think this continues obviously uh, just did double check it does actually it has updated so it is including the points from the game today so his four points from today are included in that 10 points in five games which makes a lot of sense otherwise it'd be pretty hard for him to get to those numbers um, the big thing for me is Reinhardt skating over 20 minutes a night the shots per 60 in the last five here 176 that's nothing to write home about 97th in individual scoring chances four per 60 Corsi 4 per 60, really nice, 20th, and then scoring chances 4 per 60, 72nd, that's just okay. On the season, it's really the IPP and shooting percentage that are driving his numbers to the point that they're at, 84% IPP and 24% shooting percentage. The on-ice shooting percentage at 12.7%, I can believe that. Uh, I believe he'll be around there. So I actually think that you could be looking at a situation here where Sam Reinhardt is putting up some really, really solid numbers, maybe even point-per-game-plus numbers the rest of the season. And that's, again, not something I thought I'd be saying at the start of the season. And you got to think, too, Florida is getting the reinforcements back. Bennett back in the lineup today. you got Montour coming back. You've got Ekblad coming back. This team should theoretically get better from here on out. And while Reinhardt himself may cool off, the overall team play around him may improve to the point where, uh, yeah, you're looking at a player that's got a much higher ceiling than anybody really thought possible at the beginning of the season so um yeah i don't think you're going out to acquire reinhardt off this this four point game here you're definitely going to pay the highest price possible but if he does go cold at some point then you kind of know this is this is in the uh in the realm of possibility for him so then you might kick tires at that point if you've got reinhardt right now i'm just sticking with him i'm riding with him until this really starts to fall off and then i'll probably still ride with him like i did last year so Love what I'm seeing from Sam Reinhardt, and I do think that he's got a higher ceiling than I did think possible at the beginning of the season. Another player who fits that category for me is Philip Forsberg. He's got five goals, nine points in his last five games, averaging just over 19 and a quarter minutes per game in this stretch. 29th in shots were 69th in individual Corsi 4 per 60 in this stretch. The on-ice numbers are really good too, which is something that we thought might be a concern in Nashville. 13th in Corsi 4 per 60, 8 and scoring chances for per 60 in these last five games but yeah Forsberg just directing pucks on net all the time every single minute he's out there has a 100 point pace on the season now and I do think that 
He's running a little bit hot on the IPP on the season, 85%. That should probably come down. But the like legitimately, the offense in Nashville runs through Philip Forsberg, and it runs through Yeoman, Roman Yossi and nobody else. So if anybody can sustain a really high IPP this year, I do think Philip Forsberg is one of those guys. He's shooting just 10.7% on the season and still at a 35-goal pace. That tells you how many pucks he's actually been shooting on goal. And 11.4% on ice shooting percentage. That's higher than I thought it would be, just given the kind of lack of talent in Nashville as a whole. That may still regress, and so you're probably not going to see a 100-point pace for the rest of the season from Philip Forsberg. But still, I think that this is a guy who's definitely got a ceiling above what I thought was possible for him. He's got the time on ice. He's shooting a ton. As long as those two things kind of keep up, then I'm really bullish on Philip Forsberg for the rest of the season. think he's a point-per-game-plus player as long as he stays healthy. Moving on to a trio of Blues players who all went off against Colorado on Saturday night. Robert Thomas has nine points, four goals in his last five games. Braden Shen has five goals, eight points in his last five games. And then Buchnevich with the hat trick on Saturday has three goals, five points in his last five games. Uh, Shen is averaging the least time on ice, just under 17 and a half minutes. Robert Thomas just over 18 minutes, and Buchnevich close to 19 minutes. Uh, So they're all uh, within pretty much a minute of each other. None of them have great underlying stats whatsoever. The highest number that I'm seeing here on the sheet is 124th in on-ice scoring chances, 4 per 60 for Braden Shen. All the other numbers for all these players are below that. That's not really what you want to see as an indicator of sustainability here. But I will say that these guys work really cold to start the season. Like, Shen is still on pace for just 57 points. Buchnevich for just 52. Robert Thomas had been doing it for quite some time before this. And so he's on pace for 95 points, actually. So he's actually on a really nice pace for the season. But the other two were probably due for some pretty solid positive regression here. So they're just kind of getting what they should have had to this point. All told, I think... uh, yeah, I don't think, honestly, my opinion of these guys has really changed much uh, from before the season. Shen is kind of the fourth member of the top power play right now. It does seem like they've gone back to using a true top power play with all these guys on it. Shen, Kairu, Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, and then usually it's Tori Krug on the back end. As long as they're running a true power play one and you're getting, you know, if Shen plays with Kairu, Buchnevich plays with Robert Thomas, as they did in the last game, then you're getting at least the the best players playing with the best players for the most part in the top six there. So that's what you want to see in terms of deployment, at least. And they're actually getting pretty solid minutes. Um, they're not spreading out the lines as much as they used to when they had more even personnel. When Tarasenko was still in town, when they still had some other players, they spread out the minutes a lot more, kind of like Seattle's been doing this year and in previous years. Uh, it seems like they've gone away from that a little bit just because their depth is not as good as it has been. And so that's obviously good for fantasy. Uh, still, the on-ice numbers are concerning. Still, the individual numbers are actually concerning for all these guys. So I want to see a little bit more moving forward. It does seem like St. Louis as a whole is still not a very good team and will probably struggle for most of the season, like potentially a bottom five team in the NHL on the season. And so you do have to kind of mute your expectations because of that. 
But I do think that a few of these guys, Thomas and Bruchnevich, I'd be more interested in. Shen uh, has just never really been that guy. He's only really had big seasons off the bat off the back of some really high percentages so i don't really expect that to continue uh, i would say i expect thomas and buchnevich to be like in the 70 point range when all is said and done shen i would probably put in more of the 55 to 60 point range when all is said and done so that's kind of where i'm at with these guys I do think that there's a little bit more upside for Thomas and Buchnevich, and they probably should be rostered in all leagues, um, at least all you know 12-plus team leagues. And then Shen is probably a bit more of a streamer flavor for myself personally. Keep it moving along and talk about Alex Ayafalo, who has one goal but eight points in his last five games, playing just under 18 minutes over there in Winnipeg. The individual numbers are pretty terrible here for Ayafalo. He's been kind of one of these guys who will have stretches where the underlying numbers are terrific, and then they just fall off, just completely crater. And you wonder what happened. 293rd in shots per 60, 188th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60 in those five games. On ice numbers are a little better. 63rd in Corsi, 4 per 60, 88th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. That's basically just because of who he's been playing with. So Ayafalo's been playing on the top line with Shifley and Connor and then also on the top power play with Connor Shifley and Cole Perfetti. So he's definitely got plum deployment and should continue to get some points just by virtue of being there on the season, pacing for 23 goals, 70 points. Um, but it is a little bit hard to anticipate that he's going to keep this up all season long if he's not going to improve somewhat in his underlying numbers. But still, I think you could be looking at a situation where I follow is just kind of their best option in that spot. And he does stick there for the vast majority of the season, if not the entire season, and gives you, you know, maybe a 60 to 65 point pace the rest of the season. I do think that's at least within the range of outcomes. I think it's just probably a player. I don't think you're really going to trade him away for much, but it's probably a player that you just hang on to and you ride the points while you've got him. And then you just kind of continually reassess with where he's at. If he does go cold, I would not feel bad about letting Ayafalo go. Connor Bedard makes this list six goals, eight points in his last five games, averaging just over 18 minutes time on ice, 34th in shots through 60, 32nd in individual scoring chances, four per 60. Those are good numbers. The on ice number is not so kind, obviously. playing, Still playing in Chicago is Connor Bedard. So he's 189th in Corsi, four per 60, 164th in scoring chances, four per 60. On the season now, he's got nine goals, 13 points in 13 games. So he's pacing for 82 points on the season with 57 goals. Don't think he quite gets to there, but I think Connor Bedard is showing everybody why he was considered to be a generational talent coming out. I still think in the end, like you see an 81% IPP, 21% shooting percentage, 11.2% on ice shooting percentage. I think those things are going to tick down a little bit for him. It just feels really hot, um, even for a player of his caliber. And then, yeah, they have been cutting back on his time on ice 18 minutes as i mentioned the last five games on the season still averaging over 19 so it seems like they've made a little bit of a concerted effort to keep him off the ice where possible a little bit more just to you know it's <laughs> it's still an 18 year old player at the end of the day so seems like they're gonna maybe try to shelter his minutes just a little bit more and not absolutely just run him into the ground right away so all things told i think uh yeah i don't think my 
priors on Bedard have really changed that much. I think 70 points is probably around where I'd pace him for the rest of the season. Has had a really nice start here. Not going to take that away from him. Looking like every bit the general generational player that he was billed to be. But I do have concerns about just how bad that team is and how much it might affect him, especially as it drags on into the rest of what is a very long NHL season. Apparently, we still got to talk about William Carlson, who's still just riding the flames here. Five goals, seven points in his last five games, under 17 minutes time on ice. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but William Carlson has 18 points in 15 games, pacing for 44 goals and 98 points on the season. He's somehow doing that while ranking 299th in shots per 60, 337th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 337th also in on-ice Corsi, 4 per 60, 331st in on-ice scoring chances, 4 per 60. How is he doing this, you ask? Well, he's got a 78% IPP, a 32% shooting percentage, and a 19.8 on-ice shooting percentage. Uh, I don't know how it's lasted this long, but this will not keep up for William Carlson. There's absolutely no way. I cannot see, I honestly, like, I, I can't see a scenario in which it even keeps up to, like, barely half of this uh, current situation. Like, it's absolutely wild that he's been able to keep it up this long so hopefully you had carlson uh you did pick him up and you just wrote him while he's hot and you can continue to do so as long as he is hot but as soon as carlson goes cold or if you can trade him away i don't know if anyone's really buying in on william carlson but if anybody is i would trade him for i don't honestly i would trade him for the best streamer for next week i would trade him for the next guy we're going to talk about who is Jaden schwartz Jaden Schwartz, also a guy that I talked about on the waiver wire show with Josh. If you haven't checked that out already, definitely should get you prepared for the week that is this week. But Jaden Schwartz has been hot for quite a while now, has four goals, six points in his last five games, averaging just under 19 minutes a game for the Seattle Kraken in those five games. The, on, uh, the underlying number is not so great. 197th in shots per 60, 207th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 302nd in Corsi, 4 per 60, 223rd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Not great numbers, but still on the season, the guy's uh, pacing for 44 goals, 76 points. And yeah, I think this is just a guy who's getting actually really good minutes in Seattle, which is pretty hard to come by. Clearly has the coach's trust. We've seen this before from Schwartz, actually. And honestly, he usually has better underlying numbers than this. So I think that there's probably some room for him to positively regress in the underlying numbers um, and maybe be a little less efficient and come out somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's a 76-point player when all is said and done. But I do think that when he's averaging 19 minutes a game, I do think that he can get into the 65 maybe 70 point uh, kind of conversation at the least so I do think Schwartz is definitely talented enough he's really been injury uh, prone throughout his career and that's really what's what's held him down in my opinion uh, for much of his career but when he's been on the ice and healthy he has actually had some pretty solid stretches of play and so I think that Schwartz is definitely a guy that's worth streaming for this week absolutely and definitely worth holding on to for as long as this hot streak lasts Philip Ronick is uh, just kind of a beneficiary, it feels like, uh, of Vancouver's hotness right now. 
Vancouver did win again today against Montreal. Not the most uh, daunting of opponents for sure, but a 5-2 win nonetheless. Philip Ronick, seven assists, no goals, uh, but seven assists in his last five games, averaging about 23 minutes a night there on the top pair with Quinn Hughes has been all season. Don't see why that would change anytime soon. Underlying numbers are not spectacular for him. 116th in shots per 60, 82nd in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 140th in Corsi, 4 per 60, and 133rd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. On the season, he actually has 15 assists and no goals in 14 games played, pacing for 88 assists and no goals on the season. So don't think that'll continue, but definitely it's a good look in the early going for Philip Ronick. I did think Kronik was a good play this year, but a good play in the realm of like 45, maybe 50 points if everything went well. And obviously everything has gone much better than well for Vancouver so far this season. Do think that regression is coming for Vancouver and it will affect Kronik. But I do think that he probably has a little bit more to give and maybe hasn't really felt like he's had to give that just with how good everything has been going on around him. So I do think there's a little bit of balancing that could take place there. But in the end, I don't think my evaluation of Hronik has really changed too much. I did expect him to get big minutes like this, and I do think that he'll continue to be fantasy viable for most of the season. But obviously, without power play one, um, you can't really expect much more than a 45-ish point pace from Hronik. But you do still have that contingent value. If Quinn Hughes ever did go down to injury, Hronik would be the next guy up, and that power play is definitely worth having a piece of. So... Hronik definitely worth rostering now while Vancouver's hot and probably for most of the season, to be quite honest with you. Eric Gustafson has been quite hot. Very, very good performance since taking over for the injured Adam Fox on the top power play for the New York Rangers. Definitely think this is a guy worth hanging on to. Again, another assist today. He played 26 minutes and 18 seconds today, so they've been giving him more run as well. Yeah, it's really hard not. It's really hard to fault them. I uh, I said this in the off season, but the Leafs had this guy in their building and decided to give John Klingberg four million. Um, yeah, just incredible. They could have had basically the same player in my mind, but better in Eric Gustafson, and they decided they absolutely had to go out and get John Klingberg. Love to see it for my hometown Leafs here, but on the whole, I do think Gustafson, as long as as long as Fox is out, he's worth rostering. We did mention in the waiver wire show that the Rangers actually only have one game this week, and so I think I would drop him for this week, um, and then maybe try to pick him up again later in the week if I could. Maybe just get an early week stream in, and then go back to Gustafson late in the week. Um, do something like that if you can. I don't think that Gustafson is like a make-or-break player. Clearly, he's not going to score point per game uh, all the time, even with Fox out. But I do think that he's absolutely worth a roster spot while he is out. Justin Falk has actually put together a nice little bit in his last five games. Five assists, no goals, uh, but averaging over 22 minutes. And decent underlying numbers, which is surprising on St. Louis. 59th in shots per 60, 30th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 47th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 39th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. So Falk actually doing some good things under the hood there. Not incredible by any stretch, uh, but for St. Louis, it's actually looking pretty decent. Overall, I think Falk still kind of is what he is and without top power play especially now that it seems like they are willing to go to a more concerted top power play where they really 
yeah, just lean on a top power play unit, give them, you know, 60-70% of the available power play time. That really does hurt folks' prospects overall. So I do think that, you know, he had a really cold start to the season, and now he's got five assists in his last five games. If he can move off Falk at this point, just given that he's had a little nice stretch here, maybe I would consider that because I do, do think that St. Louis as a team is not what it could be, and Falk in particular is being affected by that. And I just wanted to throw this in at the end. It's kind of hilarious that Brendan Dillon <laughs> has four goals and five points in his last five games. As you might expect, all the underlying numbers are not terrific. And these are actually the only five points he has on the season. But I just thought it was kind of hilarious when I was uh, looking through this that Brendan Dillon has four goals in his last five games here. So shout out to Brendan Dillon. It might be the only four goals he scores on the season, uh, but that's impressive nonetheless, and I don't want to take that away from him. So shout out to you, Brendan Dillon. Keep doing it, big guy. All right. Well, before we get into the have-nots, I am going to take a second and say, if you are watching on the, this on YouTube, and you could take a second to like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to us. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. We're at, I think, around 540 right now. So if you give us a little subscription, that does go a long way for us personally. If you're on one of the podcast apps listening to this, if you can throw us a rating and or review, we'd greatly appreciate that as well. Appreciate all the love we've been seeing from our faithful listeners on those apps for sure. If you're here and you want to talk more fantasy hockey, you should definitely jump in the Apples in Geno's Discord server in the show description. You can click that link, join people talking in there all the time, 24-7. Get in there and join the conversation. If you need some help with your fantasy team, want somebody to be able to bounce questions off of whenever you need to, then check out the Apples and Geno's Patreon. Five bucks a month, you can ask any question you want, and I will answer it. And for ten bucks a month, you can get team reviews uh, once per month from myself and i'll take you through what i would do with your team at that point in time i've been having a lot more people join those recently and they've been getting some good results from that so definitely get yourself in there if that's something you see value in and i want to take a second as well to plug 18 skaters mark barber what he's been doing on the apples and geos website and pumping out these daily summaries and now weekly summaries as well it's terrific stuff uh really really easy to digest important stats for fantasy purposes all the things that we talk about here on apples and genos all the things that we track and we're interested in he's got it all there in a really easy to digest summary from the previous night's games all the time every single morning go check that out all right folks we will dive back in with the have nots and i cannot believe that i'm about to say this but we are going to talk about connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl in the have nots wow connor mcdavid one assist in his last five games leon dreisaitl one goal one assist two points in his last five games they've still been getting all the minutes uh that they're typically accustomed to that has not gone away uh, but man, it is just wild what's going on in Edmonton for these two guys especially. McDavid does not look like himself. 117th in shots per 60, 119th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. On ice numbers, still pretty good. 28th in Corsi, 4 per 60. 41st in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Better numbers for Dreisaitl, actually. 70th in shots per 60, 76th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. 11th in Corsi, 4 per 60. 22nd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. So on the season, McDavid pacing for just 75 points. Dreisaitl for just 95. Not numbers we expected from either 
of these players when we drafted them so highly in our fantasy drafts this year. I think there's something to the idea that McDavid is still a little bit banged up from the injury he sustained earlier and that he's not back to 100% yet. Um, yeah, I guess you have to wonder if and when he ever does get back to 100%, and you have to take that into account if you're thinking about going out to acquire him. I have somebody in one of my leagues who's thinking about moving McDavid, has sent me an offer including McDavid. It's still a steep offer. It involves star players, multiple really good players, it involves guys like Philip Forsberg who've been out uh, stripping their expectations at the beginning of the season so it's something i have to really consider you would think that there is no price you wouldn't be willing to pay for mcdavid uh, before the season and now if he does have an injury if that lingers all season long what does that mean i do think like in the end you have to just bank on the upside of mcdavid in most cases right this is the only player capable of scoring 150 points in an nhl season in my mind and so i don't really think that you should ever you should ever really bank on the bad case scenarios we're playing an upside game here we're playing for upside we're playing to win right we're playing to make the playoffs we're playing to win the playoffs and win the whole thing so that's the way i want to approach it um but yeah it's definitely not been the start that we wanted to see so what i would say is don't panic sell on these two guys definitely um you know, you can still explore your trades. There's a price that makes sense for every player and every bit of production, but um, definitely I think there might be a buy window on McDavid and Drysaddle right now, which is not something I ever thought we would get. So if that does exist in your league, if you're the, if you know the managers in your leagues are impatient and are worried about what's going on in Edmonton right now, then by all means, go ahead and make the offer and see if you can get it done. I doubt you will, but uh, it's a fun a fun thing to actually be able to try. Uh, Dylan Strom has zero points in five games. Talked about him a little bit. He's a clear drop for me. Uh, did have a little bit of a hot stretch and then went ice cold pretty much immediately after. Underlying numbers are not great. Not terrible uh, in the on-ice category, but not great. And on the season, has six goals, zero assists. Weird stat line, 38-point uh, pace on the season. And it's just not a player that you're ever going to get super excited about. I think he's just solidly in streamer territory for me. Kuznetsov, Wilson, Ovechkin has been the top line pretty comfortably. Strom playing between Oshie and Milano and uh, not even on the top power play in the last game or at least traded it off with uh, Milano through that game. So it's a, it was definitely a little bit of a mismatch on the power play I'm seeing, but um, he may get back on to power play one, but even then... Uh, it's just not that exciting a situation. Washington struggles this season have been well documented. I think actually, you know, they're on their way back up. I think the team is better than a lot of people are giving them credit for, if I'm being honest with you. But at the same time, it's hard to really get excited about what's going on in Washington and, and to, you know, ascribe some sort of uh, high-end upside to a guy who's not even skating alongside their best player in Alex Ovechkin. So I'm not 
at the end of the day, ever going to be super excited about a guy like Dylan Strom. I think he's probably still worth picking up in the right scenarios. Over the last uh, six games here, the Capitals are right in the middle of the pack in the league in both Corsi 4 per 60 and scoring chances 4 per 60 at even strength. And so it's just, uh, yeah, I think it, in the end, the Capitals are just kind of an average team. Uh, that's where it's going to land for them in most respects. They're pretty average on the power play as well. So all things considered, I think it's an average team, an average player. He's just a streamer level player, nothing more. Trevor Zegris uh, missed today's game once again, and I think there is something to it. Uh, it was mentioned, I think, by his coach that he's been dealing with a nagging lower body issue. And that would explain a lot of his lack of production. Has just two points in 12 games on the season. Doesn't seem like himself for sure. Definitely, like in the early going, he actually had really strong underlying numbers. Uh, best shot rates of his career in the early going and then had the injury. And then uh, everything kind of fell off a cliff after that. So if you're just going by the underlying numbers, it does seem to kind of bear that out, that that's what's going on. Hopefully he takes the time he needs and he gets back and he's 100% and we can kind of roll with him from there. Um, but yeah, definitely a tough look uh, for Zegris in the early going. I still think at the end of the day, we've seen enough of Zegris at the NHL level to kind of view him as a 70-point player with potential upside if he ever were to develop uh, even more. He's still very young. Uh, a lot of people may think of him as a little bit more established, but still a young player with potential to grow even more onto his game, as we even shot, saw with the shot rates in the early going on the season. So I do think there's still a chance that Zegris has another gear left, and I'm still fairly in on the player overall, like for dynasty formats and keeper formats and things like that uh just yeah i'm a little bit worried about how how uh, treatable this lower body issue is if this time off will actually heal it completely and he'll be 100 percent ready to go when he comes back Seth Jarvis, after a hot start, has just one goal in his last five games, 308th in shots per 60, 247th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. On ice numbers, not much better, 140th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 210th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Still averaging about 19 minutes a night, but now down to a 55-point pace on the season where he had started the season on uh, just a blistering pace uh, right out of the gate. So Jarvis has really trended down pretty hard that being said like still on the top power play and playing in the last game at even strength alongside Aho and Svechnikov and if that continues you got to be excited about that but man it is hard to roster Seth Jarvis when he's going downhill this way and the underlying stats are not backing him up at all so I'm giving him a little bit of leash here but if he starts to trend down the lineup get off the top power play get off the top line then I'll really be thinking about whether I need to be hanging on to Seth Jarvis teammate over there Tevu Teravainen has also been pretty hot at times this season had the hat trick game has nine goals just one assist for 10 points on the season uh, which is kind of an interesting stat line but averaging just over 16 minutes in his last five a little bit better underlying numbers 86th in shots for 60 uh, 86th also in individual scoring chances four per 60 38th in Corsi four per 60 112th in on ice scoring chances four per 60 he's also on the top line but on the stall and martinook line at even strength which is not a place where you go to score points that's pretty concerning i think teravinen's honestly a drop uh, until further notice you can stream him definitely as long as he's on top power play 
no problem with that, but I don't think he's somebody you got to be hanging on to. Ryan Johansson, everybody was pretty excited about him after I think he had a couple goal game early in the season, but has gone ice cold. Colorado has kind of been really up and down, has had some big games, but also some games where they just get trounced by teams they should have no problem with. So they've been up and down. Johansson is trending downwards now. He's never been a big shooter, 202nd in shots per 60, 258th in individual scoring chances for per 60 his last five games, averaging less than 16 minutes a night here. And still on the top power play, that's not going away anytime soon now with Lekkonen out as well. So he's at least got that. But the with Lekkonen being out, that usually does mean that they juggled the top six. In the last game, Rantanen went to play with Johansson on the second line. They split up Rantanen and McKinnon. So that's actually a net positive probably for Johansson overall to get Rantanen on his line. But... Again, they're not giving him too many minutes. We'll see what these uh, th these last lines, I don't think, will continue because they got absolutely destroyed by St. Louis. So who knows what will happen in the next game. Uh, but overall, just uh, the underlying stats have Johansson trending down. I think you can roster him as long as he's on the top power play. He's still a valuable streamer uh, when Colorado has a good schedule. But I don't think he's much more than that to me at this point. Elias Lindholm, two assists and two points in his last five games, averaging over 21 minutes a night through that stretch. 71st in shots per 60, which is okay, but just 196th in individual scoring chances for per 60. On ice numbers worse, 161st in Corsi for per 60, 209th in scoring chances for per 60. Definitely there are better days ahead than just, you know, two assists every five games for Lindholm. But again, the Flames are a team that is really struggling right now. It's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I am trying to hang on to Lindholm because we know that this is a good player. Um, so I'm trying to hang on to him. Kadri has turned his season around a little bit in the last little bit. Do you think that Lindholm could have that kind of turnaround? He hasn't been as terrible as maybe some people think, but he is only on a 47-point pace for the season. That's not great, but 21-plus minutes, still getting all the deployment in the world. You have to think that he starts to break through a little bit. Even if the team isn't terrific, you have to think that he can provide some fantasy value with that kind of usage. Moving over to the Detroit Red Wings, we have Dylan Larkin and Alex Dabrinkit, both with just a goal and an assist for two points in their last five games here. Still getting that top deployment. Larkin about 20 and a half minutes time on ice and Dabrinkit a shade under 19 minutes time on ice. Larkin, 75th in shots per 60, 118th in individual scoring chances for per 60. Dabrinkit, 56th in shots per 60, but 134th in individual scoring chances for per 60. On ice numbers, a little bit all over the place. Uh, Larkin, 125th in Corsi 4 per 60, 240th in scoring chances 4 per 60. Dabrinkit, 57th in Corsi 4 per 60, but 192nd in scoring chances 4 per 60. Definitely seems like things have trended downwards pretty quickly after a really hot start for both these players. I do still think that there's lots of value in these guys, but um, yeah, definitely did not think that Detroit's uh, early season uh, spectacular breakout was for real. All the underlying numbers said that they were not that kind of team. And yeah, we're kind of seeing it now. I do think that, you know, this could be a pretty solid situation for both these guys. And I think that there are better days ahead, but I don't think that 
you know, we should expect them to continue on at point per game plus paces necessarily. I think they can flirt with that in the right uh, mindset and the right uh, space, definitely getting the minutes to support that kind of production, but it's going to come down to their play from here on out and whether they can be consistent with that level of play uh, night in and night out. And that's something that we obviously haven't seen so far in the season. Overall, I think these guys are pretty much what I thought they were at the beginning of the season, you know, 70 to 80 point players at the end of the year, and definitely very valuable for fantasy, but maybe not as exciting as a lot of people thought they were just based off their very hot starts. Mika Zibanejad here, just one assist in his last five games, averaging over 20 minutes a night still. Underlying numbers are not good, but he did have a really nice game here against Columbus today. I was just checking it. Five shots, 13 shot attempts. So definitely Zibanejad trying to do his part in the game today at least, but did get held off the score sheet once again. 270th in shots per 60, 293rd in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 213th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 164th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Yeah, just really uncharacteristic, terrible numbers from Zibanejad. Uh, frankly, I'm finding it hard to be concerned about him because he's just been the model of consistency the last number of years. I feel like we know what we're going to get out of Zibanejad. And he's also been one of these players who's gone on big time heaters throughout the season. So cold stretch here, but for players at this level who have just given us such a long track record of producing at a high level, I tend to give them a lot more leash than a lot of other players, and Zibanejad falls into that category for me. I do think I would buy low on him if that opportunity did exist. So might be worthwhile kicking tires on Zibanejad after he failed to point yet again today in the Rangers game this afternoon. Keep it moving and talk about Travis Konechny here. Averaging over 19 minutes, this was actually one of my bigger concerns with Konechny earlier in the season when he was super hot, was that he wasn't getting the minutes. Now he is getting the minutes and the points have dried up, so go figure. Uh, goal and an assist, two points in his last five games. Underlying numbers, not great. 176th in shots per 60, 137th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. 107 in Corsi, 4 per 60. 159 in scoring chances, 4 per 60. On the season now, a 49 goal pace, but just 71 point pace. Definitely the shots have fallen off from his early season kind of torrid pace. As the minutes have increased, his shots have definitely fallen off. At even strength in the last game, he was playing on a line with Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost. And then on the Frost, Farabee, Lawton power play, that's not what you want to see for Travis Konechny. Um, yeah, just not a situation that's great for him at the current moment. But again, I do think that things will move around once again and he'll get on a better line and get some more chemistry throughout the season. I think this is a player that you uh, just hold uh, throughout the season. I think the 71-point pace is fairly reasonable when all is said and done. On the season, that 71-point pace is supported by a just a 68% IPP, which is plenty reasonable for a player of Konechny's stature, and a 12.3% on ice shooting percentage. That may go down a little bit, and so you could see a floor below this, but I don't think in the end that you're going to be too concerned with Konechny for most of the season. He'll have some stretches where he's a little bit cooler, uh, but overall, I don't think you're going to be rushing to drop Travis Konechny anytime soon. 
Drew Doughty, on the other hand, is somebody that has come up as a potential drop. Zero points in his last five games on the season now. Just six points in 14 games. That's a 35-point pace. Still averaging over 26 minutes a night. 74th, though, in shots per 60, 98th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 78th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 63rd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. The Kings have been on fuego, but Doughty has decidedly been not. You have to wonder if all those years of playing incredible minutes have finally caught up to Doughty somewhat. I do think that, you know, he's going to do better than this as long as he's men in the top power play. And realistically, like, unless they're calling up Grant Clark to do that for them, I don't think Jordan Spence is that big of a threat to him. If that ever changed, then I would be super interested in Jordan Spence, but uh, I don't think that's changing anytime soon, to be honest. But overall, like, I'm I'm not willing to say this is a buy low on Doughty as I normally would, just because the underlying numbers are not great. Uh, haven't really been for the season. The team context is really good, but he's going to have to truly step up in some kind of way. The one thing that does give you some hope is he's got just a 26% IPP on the season. That should be upwards of 35-40% for sure. And so that should put him more comfortably in a 45-plus point range. In a banger's cats, at least, you're getting the other peripheral contributions from Doughty. You're feeling a little bit better about things if he gets back to that kind of pace. But, man, uh, it is really tough to be optimistic about Doughty's long-term prospects right now. John Carlson, one assist in five games, averaging over 27 minutes a night in those five games. Just 109th in shots per 60, 47th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 68th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 75th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Has gone legitimately cold here, but still on a 51-point pace for the season. Overall, I'm less concerned on Carlson than I am on Doughty just because he's been truly elite at his offensive output for quite some time. And like I mentioned, the the Capitals are not as terrible as everybody thinks they are, at least from an offensive perspective. And so as long as Carlson is skating 26, 27 minutes a night, he should have some fantasy value for sure. Is concerning to see the underlying stats here not as great as they have been in the past for Carlson. He did start the season a little bit hotter and then has cooled off since on those numbers. So that's not great, but I do think that Carlson should see a bit of a bump here. Um, the on-ice shooting percentage is really what's doing it for him on the season, 7.6%. That's going to come up 53% IPP. I think he can sustain, and so I think he ends up north of that 51-point pace sooner rather than later for Mr. John Carlson. Devon Tays makes this list just one assist in his last five games and just a 32-point pace on the season. 90th in shots per 60, 64th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60 over his last five games here. 48th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 36th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Taves has always just been like kind of a steady power play two, but on Colorado and really good at hockey, so he gets 50 points a year kind of defenseman. And yeah, that's being called into question here. Really what's hurting him is the 28% IPP. That should definitely be higher, definitely like, there are better days ahead for Devontae's, no question about that. But really what's the ceiling is the question for myself. 
I think that we can still expect 45 to 50 points, and you should probably just decide what that's worth to you in your league. I don't think you have to cut him. As I mentioned, Colorado's just been kind of up and down uh, very oddly in the early season. They've made some decent changes uh, across their lineup, obviously. You know, Ross Colton comes in. He's their new 3C. Ryan Johansson comes in. He's their new 2C. So, like... That's a fairly big adjustment for the team overall, but you would think that, you know, McKinnon and Rantanen and company, McCarr and company can power through. That has not been the case so far this season, which is a little surprising. Overall, I'm not concerned that Taves won't have a solid season when all is said and done, but definitely it doesn't feel like there's terrific upside here. You even wonder if there was a situation where McCarr goes down, does Taves get that or does Bowen Byram get that? Bowen Byram, an electric young offensive talent, as we've discussed many times on this podcast, so there would be that question there. I think that Taves just kind of is who he is, 45 to 55 point defenseman, given whether he's running hot or cold or the team's running hot or cold. And whatever that means to you, you can kind of take that and apply it to your league and see what you want to do from him, with him from there. And lastly, just to make a few more enemies that I desperately needed, Moritz Sider has one assist in his last five games, skating under 21 minutes a night here, 52nd in shots per 60, 93rd in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 112th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 182nd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. On the season, still pacing for 60 points. But that's mostly on the basis of a really high 12.7% on ice shooting percentage. The IPP is just good at 46%, and that's honestly not been something he's really sustained before, so I expect even that would come down. And yeah, just his individual numbers, his on-ice numbers are not great. Um, Mort Sider is just... I, I, I think everybody wants Moritz Sider to be a really good offensive defenseman because he's so good in the peripheral categories. He hits and he blocks so much that if he was a terrific offensive defenseman, then he would be absolutely fantasy-breaking and everyone would just fall in love. Unfortunately, I just don't think he is that. Uh, maybe he's got another gear left, still a very young player. It's totally possible that he's got another gear left that'll hit someday, but he was never really billed that way as a prospect coming out, and so I'm not convinced that Moritz Sider is really a offensive force to be reckoned with in any sense, and it seems like the Red Wings kind of agree in this last game. He was taken off the top power play, and the Red Wings were still running two defensemen on the top power play, and they played Jeff Petrie and Shane Gostaspere above Moritz Sider on top power play. If Jeff Petrie is playing above you on the power play at this point, then uh, th that's just a problem. Like That should not be a question for a guy that you're expecting to be a top fantasy defenseman for you. And so I just don't think Moritz Sider has ever really been in that category for me, and I don't think he will continue to be moving forward. I'm just kind of not about the player. Definitely, obviously, Banger Cats. He's going to absolutely demolish hits and blocks for you every single week with points upside, depending on when he's on power play one and if the power play is cooking. That's great, uh, but I don't think it's something you can count on. And so as I've been all off season, I can I remain out on Moritz Sider at his current cost. Uh, I think you could look at trading him off if you can still get full sticker price for Moritz Sider. Uh, that's what I would do. 
um, but I don't have him anywhere because I uh, evaluated him to be a much lower player than most of the other people did in my league. So that's my take on Mart Cider. That brings us to the end of things here. But I will give you a move the move of the week. Even without Blake here, I will give you a move of the week. For me, that's going to be just to give you a little note on something you can check in your leagues. In a league that I play in, you it has a setting in Yahoo. Uh, the setting literally says, allow injured players from waivers or free agents to be added directly to injury slot. That can be checked yes or no. If that is checked yes in your league, then you can add the player directly to your IR or IR+. Plus. I did this with Jordan Eberle. Um, and then I set my lineups for the week so that if he does not play in Seattle's early week games, Seattle has a really great early week schedule this week, as we detailed on the waiver wire episode. But if he doesn't play, then it's not hurting me. I had the extra ad to give. So I went and got Everly, threw him on there. He was the best of the Kraken available. And so I got him there, threw him straight to IR+. Doesn't hurt my lineup if he doesn't play. But if he does play, then I get a really nice streamer and I can drop somebody else uh, to get him in. And so that's just something I think you should go out and check out if you've got those extra ads and you want to add somebody. It might not even be Everly. Maybe you're in a league where there are not many IR spots and you've got one open, but somebody has had to drop someone who's actually pretty valuable. And you can go check that out and you might be able to add them directly to your injury slot so you don't even have to drop somebody to do that it might be really worth it for you so definitely go check that out see if that's something that's in your league and that's something you can employ um, in your leagues lastly here i'm going to recap the head-to-head streamer deathmatch and unfortunately blake i can't even you know i can't even gloat that i finally won a week uh it's just the worst i i finally win a week and blake isn't even here for me to rub it in his face a little bit uh maybe he that's why he uh you know took off for the week i don't want to spread any rumors but i think i think that would make a lot of sense i think that uh, a lot of people might agree with me there that he might uh he might do something like that i'm just kidding but uh, yeah, basically I had Boone Jenner, he had Marco Rossi. Uh, we do this on the basis of Kakuffel points. Boone Jenner 15.75 Kakuffel points and Marco Rossi 4.25. So I think I took the W pretty convincingly there. And yeah, definitely we'll tune in again. We had in the waiver wire show on uh, well we recorded it late friday i guess kind of saturday a.m early a.m and josh and i did do the i did do the uh streamer death match between the two of us and we got uh, hutch to make a pick on blake's behalf there and hutch did take kirill marchenko which obviously would have been my guy love me some kirill marchenko but that left me with Jaden schwartz so we'll see how that goes for this upcoming week all right well that's all i've got for this episode hopefully it brought you some value hope you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today all the advanced stats you heard today came from natural stat trick which is a terrific free resource many thanks to the band they're there for supplying the music for this podcast be sure to check out their spotify as well that's it folks much love